everyone. You didn't think I was kidding, did you? <laughs> uh, welcome to another episode of Spirit Walking with Asa Hoffman. And this is Perspectives on the Reemergence. And tonight I have guest uh, Mike Kelton with me. And yes, cheers. Cheers. Um, so this is a whole lot of fun. Mike is, if you don't know already, which I'm sure you do, but he's a director, producer, comedian. Um, he has also taken a, a deep dive into the spiritual realm. We've even done some uh, spirit hunting together. Uh, we've been live on stage uh, doing some mediumship readings for the audience. Um, yeah, it's been a really fun journey. So um, yeah, it's kind of interesting, Mike, I have to tell you to be on this end of this. <laughs> I, I will tell you that like I have the easiest job in the world when I work with you normally because I'm on the other end and I just have to like show up. You do such a great job at orchestrating mm -hmm. um, the events and connecting us when we're, we're doing these things and I'm like oh shit I have to work. <laughs> <laughs> well that's very nice of you to say Asa uh, but you don't you don't have to work i think like i mean you do and i'm expecting really great questions and for you to host this and not let me go off the rails um but <laughs> but really it's uh i mean when we first met it was so funny like right away we felt a, a connection and it's so easy being with you and talking with you so um it feels like it feels like no work at all hosting with having you as a guest and kind of my my sidekick it's it's a joy well, thank you for coming the other direction. I appreciate you being here. Yeah. Okay. Um, the uh, and for people who don't know, we met uh, through Twitter. Actually, Mike tweeted that he was looking for a medium and uh, for his show, and it was actually I think Lizette who usually helps me on here with uh, moderating questions and whatnot. And uh, she's the one who saw that first, and then she sent it to Michael, I think, and was like, "Hey, I think Asia should look at this." And then Michael was like, "Oh, I know who Mike Kelton is." Anyway. And there it went. So, uh, but the funny part, we never met before that first interview. That first reading I gave you, we never talked, we never met. Uh, I remember I reached out and then I heard from your producer first. Yes. So, yeah, uh, I thought it was a, a cool way that the, like the internet, you know, kind of connected us and um, the internet did a really good job. And thank God Lizette and Michael connected us because right. it was very powerful. Cause also it was kind of a crapshoot. I think with like psychics and mediums, I was like, I was like going on Yelp and looking and it was just, it didn't feel right to me because I was trying to almost like catch someone or see like if other people could vouch, but I felt like it was a real connection. And so I'm lucky that that worked out. Yeah, it, it worked out great. I think for both of us. So very good. <laughs> um, I think, I feel like I found a soul brother along the way here. So uh, did, and I did as well. So, you know what, why don't we start there real quick? What what did dive you into Beyond in the first place? Can you briefly uh, share a little bit of like how that door got opened? Of course. Um, I, it's funny that you asked me this question because today I, I went to the beach. I had a really good time. Um, I My friend was going to Rockaway Beach with uh, taking her kids. And so I decided to just go for a little day trip. Um, anyway, so Beyond started and it will loop back to the beach because I've always been, I've always been very like interested, uh, curious about this space. And I've had weird things happen to me my whole life, as I kind of have explained on the pod. Uh, one being kind of a visitation from 
my uh, my grandpa when he passed away when I was in college. And through storytelling and kind of being interested in this world, people were always like, you should look into it more. And I was like, I guess I should. How? I think we can first, how the fuck are you supposed to look into spirituality <laughs> more? Uh, so I felt like uh, diving in with all the facets of it in a, a podcast space, because as a comedian and a storyteller, I was like, you know, I, I would love to share this with people. Um, and so I went for a trip, a writing trip to Montauk, I think four or five years ago, um, and just got like a little cabin and Andrew's laughing at Andrew's literally like walking laughing at me what are you laughing at <laughs> he's laughing anyway so I went for this trip and I kind of like meditated at the the ocean and it was alone it was the middle of the winter so it was like it was freezing but I vibed and it was like I got this message that was like you know make a podcast <laughs> <laughs> so I like I don't know I you know, they yell like, like that podcast. sometimes. Yeah, it was like, it was like, make a podcast, Mike. And I was like, okay. <laughs> um, and so I, I kind of listened and it was really, uh, that moment was really spirit, really magical because it was like, I felt, I felt like I was in the right spot at the right time. I was really listening. And then that night in my cabin, all these deer kept coming like up to the windows in this cabin. And yes, there are deer in Montauk. There are deer in Fire Island, like it's normal. But there was like, three in the back and like two in the front and they were walking up to the windows and I was like I felt like Snow White where like the animals were talking to me and I was like I was like what's up I know I'm doing the podcast I get it <laughs> and then looping back to today I went to the I went to the ocean and I was with friends and they kind of left me and so then I was alone kind of you know in the waves of the ocean and there are people around but then um I didn't tell you this yet there were like three dolphins wow. there were three dolphins that like came they were kind of like the first were like i guess 30 feet away who knows depth perception in the ocean and i was like oh my god there's sharks i gotta get, gotta get out of here and then i was like i think they're dolphins and they came closer i never like saw them i wasn't swimming with dolphins per se maybe it wasn't my mind but i just um you were swimming I, with dolphins I was kind of swimming with dolphins. With and dolphins they, I, swimming with you, actually. It's the other way around, you. right? <laughs> thank you. It was thank you. It was kind of my Lisa Frank moment. So it was interesting. I had the deer in Montauk, and I had the dolphins today, and it was cool. So there you yeah. go. The uh, dolphin is uh, it's a great medicine to have come to you. Both of those, actually. Deer's a great guide into the spiritual realm, uh -huh. actually. Deer, deer and, and if you went into, uh, well, certain traditions, depending on the, the particular tribes, you know, it was the eastern gate of the uh, medicine circle might have been, uh, the guardian might be deer. And deer is, huh. uh, yeah, and the eastern gate of the medicine circle would be where we begin, where we initiate. It's, it's springtime, it's the beginning. Um, but also deer is considered one of the most psychic. They're the, they're the guide of the psychic often. So, oh. so they help us connect. Uh, so that's a good medicine. And then uh, the dolphin, I mean, my God, that's rebirth, it's breath. You know, it's also intelligence. Can we send that around right now to all these people out there that need a little more intelligence? <laughs> dolphin Please, dolphins, get out there. <laughs> um, but also the breath and the air that people need who are, who are struggling right now, too. It is, it yeah. is our breath and, and life. Uh, and dolphins are amazing. They'll come right up. I've, I've had it happen to me in the Keys where I was, I had rented a little catamaran sailboat and was trying to figure out how to get that 
tacking down the water down the way without not much wind and the dolphin came through and they were like hey and they hung out they were like come in. so we jumped in the water and they they hung out with us it was, oh it was my an amazing God. experience that is so it is really cool it reminds you that it's you're not just like you're not just a human in like in this skin walking around during a worldwide pandemic there's like there's more to it and that's what i felt like today i was like okay there's more to this there's dolphins we're vibing <laughs> it was nice <laughs> that's so nice so since we're in the beyond world i want to know you know now with with covid obviously and and distancing and being sent home for a while has this intensified the dresser experience <laughs> okay interesting <laughs> very good question um well you know i mean if you're hanging out in the house like that it, there's a good chance more spirit happening and uh you know so the dresser has honestly been dormant for mm -hmm. like a a year um and only since i recently started thinking about putting i have all this content and like videos of it opening <laughs> like out of nowhere um, and i have all this stuff that i'm kind of putting together in COVID to to take some stuff from beyond and put it on youtube and blah 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 um and since that happened there was one instance recently where i left and i came back and it was open which was the first time it had opened in the year but then andrew was like andrew was kind of arguing with me which is like no shocker to anybody right. but andrew was like i opened it and i was like did you because i left after you so the dresser is kind of still up in the air but i will say dresser has felt the energy of like being a star again because i'm starting to put content together um and yeah well, andrew just andrew just texted ready this is an andrew just texted <laughs> I, I opened, opened it. <laughs> and I didn't say he didn't. I just said that like it it was like a conversation piece, right? And also maybe he didn't open it. <laughs> well, and you know, if the dresser is starting to like rise and show itself its its presence more, that means that your dresser must have quite the ego and be a bit of a ham. Like, okay, it's time for showtime. Hundred percent. The third pair that wants to be seen. The dresser has the biggest head in our apartment. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, <laughs> I'm not totally sure I agree with that. I've been to your apartment. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so how's it been through COVID? How have you uh, gotten through this? First of all, let's let's start back a little bit because I think early on, right? You you actually got it. Was it pretty early? Right. On? At right at the beginning of um, quarantine, like the second week in March, I think. Mm -hmm. um, so right at the beginning of quarantine, I was like working and I was going into the office until like, the, remember that first week of quarantine? It was like, you could, it started on like a Thursday or a Friday, the like the lockdown, right? Because first it was the fake lockdown that everyone's sending that text with the guy with the big dick. And we were, did you get that? Yeah. <laughs> It was like, it was like, oh my God, lock, yeah. It was like lockdown, no, it's a guy with a big dick. But then <laughs> apparently it was like, actually we are in lockdown. Um, so um, I woke up on like Wednesday or Thursday of that first week. And I was like, holy shit, I have a fever. Um, which was scary, you know? And, yeah, and then I was like, I was like, I don't have it. This is crazy. I just have a fever, like a fluke. I have the fever. Um, and the second day it got worse, it like rose to 103. Um, and I started to have really bad body aches. I've never in my life had 
body aches. Like besides doing like a CrossFit workout and waking up and being right. like, that was a mistake. Like I've never felt that feeling of like my, my whole body hurt. So I started having body aches. I called CityMD and I was like, hey, I'm, I have these things. And they were like, if you come in, we can't give you a test. We're just gonna send you back home and see if you get better. And I was like, okay, that's bullshit. Then I'm not going to CityMD. Um, right. So I ended up staying home. Uh, fever was kind of teetering between 101 and 103. It would go down to 98, but it was like all over the place. I lost my sense of smell and taste on day like five or six, had no appetite. I basically slept like all day. I was like out for the count. Um, and then around day seven or eight, I started having like breathing issues. I woke up and I couldn't take a full breath. And I explain it like, um, when I was a kid, I used to go to the town pool. And if you like swallow too much chlorine cause you're in the pool too much, the next that night you can't take a deep breath cause it feels like you have to cough if you take a deep breath cause they're chlorine in your lungs, I guess. So it felt like that where I couldn't take a deep breath. And um, then I freaked out and it really affected my emotional health. My, yeah, my like emotions and my mental health. Um, I was watching the news every night as we all were, and we all still are. And it was this, it was so scary. And I just kept reading about every morning, it was a headline of like 31 year old principal passes away of COVID and in the Bronx and all of these young people. So I started having breathing issues and I went to a place, a really, really dark place where I was basically like, um, I'm gonna die in my sleep. I thought that I was going to die in my sleep, which is not that bizarre for what we've heard. And so I took a shower, Andrew, Andrew's very logical. And he's like, he's like, okay, you can breathe. You just can't take a deep breath. Why don't you take a shower, um, put, make it really hot. So there's, you know, a lot of humidity. So you can kind of open up your lungs. And I got out of the shower, it didn't help. And I like, I mean, I know I'm dramatic, but I like, I like fell on the floor and I was just crying. I was like, I think I'm going to die. This is bad. So I called my doctor. I went to CityMD. I, I saw a doctor, he, he basically was like, you have congestion in your lungs, you have a fever. Um, and he looked at me and he said, you definitely have COVID, but I cannot give you a test because I need to save them for pre-existing conditions and, and elderly. And I kind of was like, fuck you. But at the same yeah. time, I was like, I get it. Like, I don't want to take away a test from someone that needs a ventilator. So he gave me an x-ray of my lungs and they said there's congestion. He gave me an inhaler. Um, I had the inhaler. I didn't really use it because I never used an inhaler and it felt weird. But like four days later, I recovered. So it was a full 15 days, um, but I slept a lot and it was really fucking bad. It was the sickest I think I've ever been. Um, and it was horrible. And I'm 33, relatively healthy. Um, it's really bad. It's not a joke. Like I think talking to people that from other parts of the country that think it's thinks it's a hoax I'm like you just you have to read listen to the dolphins <laughs> you know what I mean like, <laughs> yes. read learn and know that it's not a joke it's not something that we should be taking uh lightly so that was my experience I'm, I'm sorry I mean that sounds really terrifying and awful uh I also think I mean I think one of the worst things to experience must be to feel like we can't breathe, right? That we can't get breath, uh, oh, for sure. any, you know, whatever, for whatever reason that may be. So that's just such a, an awful thought. 
Um, and so I can imagine how scary that, that is. And, and especially when you're being told, don't come, there's not, or come, but we're, we're not gonna do anything for you. Um, yeah. But I'm glad you're better. How long did it take for your taste to come back and smell? Um, probably like 16, day 16 or 17, but fully probably like 20 days for three or four weeks. Wow. It, it was a while, it was a while. Crazy. It's so weird when you lose your sense of smell and taste, um, mm -hmm. Not only can you not taste things, but everything tasted like metal. Everything had a metallic taste mm -hmm. to it, which like, you don't want that when you're <laughs> eating cookies and cream. <laughs> you know what no. I mean? No. It also disconnects us from our birth. You know, our first, our first system to turn on is our limbic system. It's our sense of mm -hmm. smell and our, our sense of taste. And uh, so imagine being cut off from that. It's like being cut off from, from our, our first entrance into life. Um, oh, wow. yeah. so yeah it's a it's a i think it's a pretty powerful thing but there's also i mean through all of that i'm curious how do you feel now i feel i feel really good i do feel very healthy mm -hmm. um i've been taking you know pretty good care of myself besides drinking like almost every night because you got to have something to look forward to right now <laughs> you know like <laughs> Cheers. I, I, um, I feel good. Uh, I've been, you know, working out as much as I can doing like, you know, basically taking these bands I have. I'll show you. I like, I do these like workouts on YouTube. I search like best band workout. And so I like stretch these. Um, yep. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I feel good. I'm very grateful to have my health. And um, I'm extremely grateful to have it because when it's taken away from you, you're reminded of what it's like to not be able bodied and be able to feel healthy and it's it's really a gift to be able to breathe well and you just come off of a massive project you know mm -hmm. getting magnificent out you know which was just i know so much work um and uh and i think you're only like a couple of weeks out off of that right you're just like sort of wrapped uh as far I as had just i was actually not wrapped yet so i was still working and then i had to not work when i was sick but we wow. were in, we were finishing up the last couple episodes in post-production. Wow. So to go from all that energy out and creativity and everything to nada. Um, what's your creative inspiration been like since then? Have you been able to tap in? Have you been able to connect? Uh, not necessarily what project, but I'm talking internally. How's hmm. your connection been to your creativity? You know, it's been, I feel like I've had a little bit of uh, writer's block, like creative block. I haven't, you know, I usually get inspired by something or I will get like kind of obsessive and question something or I'll read something and it will make me be like, this would be so interesting. Um, and I haven't really had that. I've been in a little bit of a um, like processing mode, you know, like I haven't, I've been kind of yeah, processing the work I've done in the past couple of years and, and what I want to do next. I really, I think creatively, I usually have to really manifest something in order for it to happen. And if I am not clear about what I'm manifesting, it like, it's kind of nothing happens. Uh, and I also, this was part of my like meditation with the dolphins today. I, I like kind of want it all. I want to do everything at once. I want to produce and direct while I push like, my hosting career and like the beyond of it forward but like they really don't ex they can't exist at the same time they can exist in the same lifetime 
but they can't happen simultaneously. And so that's something that's been um, a little bit of a struggle for, for me to be like, what do I focus on? Well, you know, I'm going to tell you, uh, stop thinking about what's possible. Uh, mm -hmm. Move out of the way. Put it up to spirit and say, so this is, this is, this is what I want. Mm -hmm. Now show me what's possible. And, and uh, let the unity uh, show you what's, what's possible, what the potential. Oh, that's good. I think it's a great time for us to all be asking for that. You know, I think globally, I think the uh, uh, globally spirit has the bit in our mouth and is pulling the reins mm -hmm. back and saying, stop running so fast to wherever it is you think you're going. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Slow down. And, and I think, you know, uh, the process you're in to me sounds like just another part of the creative process in many ways. Mm -hmm. you know? and, it's, and it's one that it's the harder one to honor, obviously, and it feels so much better when you feel like, oh, I know where I'm going and what I want to put that energy into. But it's also an important one. And I think uh, when you start having things like these dual ideas of, of what you're wanting to do, instead of feeling like, oh, figure out where where to decide or the other one that we do is we go hunting and see which project mm -hmm. comes first and we'll, we'll do that i think sometimes it's really great to say okay wait let me just pause with this and say okay this is where i am what do you have and 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 see what comes from from that you know from spirit so asa i'm gonna use that because that sounds great yeah <laughs> that, yeah that sounds good and that would be helpful for me to be able to be like what's good this is what i want this is what i feel but like you sh show me, show me what's best. And I think you say this all the time, like what's of the highest good is such a good, I've like kind of co-opted that. And it's like, show me what's of the highest good. Like, where can I, where can I help people the most right now? Is it going to be like doing like another season of Dragnificent and finding a way to incorporate COVID into it or like find a way to make it po possible? Or is it going to be like in the beyond realm? Or is it something I'm not even aware of right now? So what's of the highest good and how can i or another way to say it is also how can i best be of service while also serving me mm -hmm. you know it, let's have that alignment you know and i'll tell you you can use your martini shaker if you want get your rattle hold <laughs> them down do a little jig and a dance around the room like call in spirit don't just you know sit yeah. there it doesn't just have to be a quiet like oh let me quietly ask like shake it up light the candle light the fire yeah. be like all right guys got it you what's hear me up? okay good yeah. let me tell you what's going on over here here's what i need to know uh -huh. um so have some fun with it you know plug into it and uh bring joy to the question uh and don't just wait for the joy and the answer oh i like that don't just wait um, for the joy and the answer that's that's good asa yeah, well, you know, we always love when we get the answer, especially if we get the answer we want, right? But, uh, but we forget to find joy in the question. Um, anyway, so beyond, you talked about this little, like, I, I heard something back there and I did catch it. So let's talk about that. <laughs> so, so is there beyond stuff we should be expecting? Is that what I, did I hear that? Yeah, so, so something is coming. I'm like not positive. I can't tell you like what it is, but there are stories, there's experiences, and there's like the medium I'm not totally sure of because the beauty of the podcast is I'm able to like take and record things and go to places. I think what's so fun about my favorite parts of the podcast are um, really letting these stories exist in real time and following there. It's like a destination. It's like going to these things and experience and meeting these people. Um, and what's tough right now is we only have this, which is 
totally fine, but I can't really experience things because I'm in, in my home. So there, those kind of things are not going to happen because of COVID, but I am, um, I'm really interested in kind of putting together um, a lot of things that people didn't see and making a space like a YouTube space for people to see behind the scenes and like real video footage and possibly like this is something I'm not sure of yet, but possibly like make a YouTube channel. <laughs> like I know that sounds so silly, but like I'm a 33 year old man, but like I'm like maybe I make a YouTube channel where I can connect and share these stories and like make them visual too, because it's so fun and visual. Like all the things we've done together have, yes. if people could be with us in the park when we went to Booth Park, like it would have been so captivating. Like it was breathtaking for us and there's so much footage. And if, if people could see it, watch it, they would go crazy. Yeah, I don't think that's silly. I think it's, I think it's great and I think you're right. I think that, and all, you're also a great visual uh, performer. Uh, in general, and I know you're not just performing on this, but really you give a lot uh, with your expression, with everything, and I think people will love that. But also, yes, these places that we went to and that you've gone to with other people in the show, I think it would be awesome. I want to see behind the scenes. Right, yeah, so I, I'm putting that together now. And one thing I am playing with, um, a lot of the stories are so good, and Alex has done such an amazing job at soundscaping them, and Tracy at like story producing and kind of pulling these stories together. and doing them in a way where like it makes, it's a story, we can like funnel it into a beginning, middle and end. Um, I would love to see some of these stories that have already been on the podcast um, animated or story told in a visual way. And I'm trying to think of a way to economically mm. make that happen through like, not just one like animator, like find different visuals. Like maybe one is like stop motion. Um, maybe one is claymation, maybe one is uh, cartoon. But I think like seeing the witch story, like Lisa P go to the Bronx and like bury that goat head. Yeah. It's like, I would watch the shit out of that. So I'm, I'm trying to find a way. And something that's interesting with Beyond is my, like my, the headline for what I do with Beyond is when I started making Beyond, I was like, I wanna make something um, that I would want to listen to. Right. I was like, I, I have been so drawn up, like in like pleasing other people in like media of like, I want to do what MTV thinks that I should be doing. I want to do what this network thinks I should be making. But beyond, I was like, fuck it. I'm going to make something that I listen to. And I'm like, I would listen to that. And that's, I think when the fans are beyond, I'm like, I agree with your taste because I would listen to that. Yes. You know what I mean? <laughs> so. So I want to keep doing that. I want to keep making things in the beyond world because it's so personal that like I would, I would watch that, you know, I would stream it, I would binge it. So I, I, I hold it to a high standard personally, I guess. Yeah, I would binge it. I agree. I would watch every one of those episodes and more. So, and you know, I'd be curious actually, now that we're talking, I wonder if there's anybody who lives in a house that's haunted, that's having a, that through the quarantine, if it had gotten more intense, like, you know, you're about, these people have had these horrible experiences, like being quarantined with their abuser. What about, I wonder if anybody's been quarantined with a, with a ghost or with a, a, a spirit that's given them a hard time, right? I'm sure it's got to happen. I mean, maybe we could make a call out and see if, see if anyone has been. And we go with masks on and we get that B. <laughs> <laughs> 
Hey, you have to check out the, the chat at some point before the end, because somebody said their brother's a video effect designer. Maybe uh, maybe we'll be interested in a project like that. So, oh, it's, it's, um, oh, yeah, I mean, I would love. Um, definitely connect me. Never I know, can, right? I can put my email in here, and I would love to be connected, because um, that sounds great. And probably, like, if you're here saying this, like, Spirit was like, Spirit was like, okay, this is the thing that should happen. Yeah, I see the visual for sure. Right? I think, yeah. I think yeah, I think that's happening. And the fact that you already have material, like there was a bit of film material from the episode we did in Booth, right? Oh, tons. And and you did that with all the episodes. I have tons of that stuff. Yeah, and I have it. more I have more stuff from the dresser that people haven't seen and it's video <laughs> and I'm like I can't just have this in my phone it feels crazy. Just like well yeah. That'll be interesting to see if that changes people's perception if they're if they're team Andrew or if they're team Mike on the dresser. Hundred percent. I mean, so and I also think Andrew is so he's the best and he's so cute. I feel like he would I think people need to see how adorable Andrew is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think people need to see how adorable the two of you are when you fight <laughs> oh, about thank you. things like the dresser. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's adorable. Uh, what can I say? <laughs> so uh, I'm also, oh, by the way, if anybody wants to ask questions of Mike or, or myself during all this, feel free. You can go to the Q&A box. I didn't announce that in the beginning. You're welcome to. Uh, we're keeping an eye on the chat as well. But if you have questions, remember, feel free to throw that in there. Um, so Mike, you did a, a ritual through all of this during uh, one of the eclipses, right? My oh, range. I sure did, Asa. I sure yeah. did. <laughs> How did that go? Uh, not good. <laughs> okay, let me tell you. So uh, <laughs> at the last eclipse, like the big one, um, mm -hmm. it. I also someone tweeted. There's a there's an oracle that I follow on on Twitter that I she she says says amazing stuff, and I'm like I'm vibe with it. But she she kind of talked a lot about the Mayan calendar and how like actually that the last eclipse was when the Mayans actually predicted like the beginning of the end or what, whatever you believe or the beginning of the beginning, whatever you want to believe. Yeah, that's more beginning so, so. Yeah. Um, so I, I kind of last minute was like, I want to do something. I want to reset my energy and, and, you know, be a part of the eclipse and do something for myself. So I improvised mm -hmm. a spell. Um, and later I'll tell you why I don't, recommend it um but i have done t i think a bunch of rituals with some incredible people asa alana kilkenny uh michelle brock like all these like people that i love and respect and so um and i've watched them like in this world i'm on and still looking at what people are doing and so i kind of just improvised a spell in my backyard this is what i did i um i got a candle that asa gave to me and it's a white candle beautiful we love um, got the candle. I wrote down on pieces of paper, like things that I was like looking for, like intentions or things I wanted to happen. Um, and then Asa gave me this great, uh, sweet grass that I've had on my windowsill. That's like, really just like, it's like all good energy. You smell it and you're like, Oh, I love. Um, and so I did this spell where I lit the candle. I burned these like things I wanted to like go away that I wrote down. I put it in the jar and then I put the other things I wanted in the jar. I filled it up with water, uh, holy water that I had left over from the Curtis spell, the spell I did with my 
old dog and I just had it. So I was like, well, I have this holy water, I should use it. So holy water, sweetgrass, burned paper, bell jar, um, and a candle. And I kind of just improvised it and put everything in there and like shook it up. And um, what I didn't do during this ritual, I didn't make like a circle around myself. I didn't make a sacred circle, which Asa has mentioned every time we've worked together. Um, so when I was doing it, I kept, I, I asked my guides to come in and be there. And my guides were there, but there were two guides that kind of like, had like invisibility cloaks over them, I guess. They were just like, I, I knew that I couldn't, I didn't know who they were. I was like, okay, grandpa's back there. We got that lady I saw in a past life regression. We got that guy over there that I saw my first regression, but there were two that recovered. And, um, and after the spell, after the ritual, I started getting hurt. I had um, like clumsy things that I don't, I'm not, you would think I was clumsy, but I'm not that clumsy. Um, and so I, I got cut on my finger, um, taking out the trash that was like really bad, really deep. I cut my hand taking out an air conditioner. I had a rash all over my chest that wouldn't go away. And then I was like uh, walking around my neighborhood and a, a really big tree branch fell like six feet from me. And everyone ran around the street was like, are you okay? And I was like, it was like six feet away. It didn't hit me. But if it did, it like definitely, it, it could have really hurt me. Um, so I called Ace and I was like, babe, Am I hexed? And Asa said, <laughs> "Well, I didn't say you were hexed, but I did I know, say you, I, I know, but I thought I was hexed." Yes, no, no, no. But you know, and I—it's funny. I just saw somebody post here that says, "I love it." She's a she's a lazy witch, so uh, <laughs> as long as you trust your intuition, it's all good to do it with improvis improvising. Um, so I, I have to say I agree with both, and and that you shouldn't, and you should. Uh, and and where that line stands is this. Uh, totally improvis improvising is acceptable and being creative and, and it is, it's where magic comes from. It is the, an expression of creativity uh, and connection. But the key is when you open yourself, you need to create sacred space. You need to in some way create protection and it's, it's, and the protection isn't about keeping out anything. It's about creating the space within that, mm -hmm. is, that is holy or sacred. Um, and the key is when you're done, you want to respect that space, right? So you also want to give gratitude to it and open the space again. And what had happened was that you'd open up that energy, but, but it was still mm -hmm. open, right? You were sort of walking between worlds and it was ungrounded. Uh, so, uh, you know, it, it allows the potential for other energies to influence or come in. And the other part you got to remember is, listen, if, if you're out there and known, like whether you realize it or now, not, you put yourself out there in, in beyond with Mike Kelton, you know, in the spiritual realm. Yeah. So in a sense, you've raised your flag. So you also even have a, a slightly higher responsibility as far as there's, there's psychic attention on you uh, at this time. So it's, it's um, interesting you say that too, because every morning, when I would, I also love all the comments coming in, the, the lazy yeah. witch, like I totally get it. Like, and I think, especially yeah, if there might be, Absolutely. yeah, a presence that you're like, so like, I think everyone's right. Like there's been, like, you gotta be careful. I think where you do it and the energy you're like, if you feel around you, you wanna feel like kind of warm and, and safe, right? Anytime you're doing something that's personal to you, you don't wanna be around people you don't trust, right? So I think it's kind of like, make sure you feel safe. Um, but I will say too, oh shit, maybe I lost my my train of thought. But while That's you were okay. talking, I kept getting like interference in my 
in my headphones and I was laughing. You can go back and watch my face. You're talking about interference and like, it's just like, it's like this bang, bang, bang. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah, spirits, spirits fucking with us. They're like, yes, we can, we can make ourselves heard. We can make ourselves known. We can reach through the veil just like you can. Um, you know, listen, I think that it's, it's really respecting that the sacred, in my opinion, it's, it's really recognizing that you are making a connection, that this isn't just an idea that it's real, you know, and that when you step, when you cross the veil with your energy, right, you also, you're stepping into that space and you want to make sure that you're shining your light in the right direction um is one thing but the other thing is you want to be grounded because the other part is it doesn't necessarily mean that there's dark energy this is not a fear-based idea it, it is a about holy it's about sacred and it's about um having the grounding to be able to because because remember whatever comes through right if there's nobody else there not working with somebody like me if you're on your own whatever comes through you're the grounding in the physical realm you're in mm -hmm. so you better make sure your energy is grounded and that you have the support with the right tools around you, you know? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I mean, I wholly agree uh, with Zach's girlfriend, that, which is that, you know, that can be done, you know, through improv improvising, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be done in one particular way. You can be creative. And if you already have a natural connect that way, right? Like some people mm -hmm. can, can create that space very quickly. You know, other people it's, but I think when you're beginning, it's a little bit more of thinking in terms of ritual and thinking in terms of what are the things that, that will help me create the space. And especially now, there's a lot of mud in the psychic energy, you know, and especially where you are, you know, you're in New York in the, in the city and it's, you know, there's a lot of mud, there's a lot of different emotions and feelings and things that are, that are going on there. And so the astral is thick, you know, uh, and it doesn't mean it's, it, you know, it doesn't mean it's bad energy. It's just a lot of energy. So you want to make sure yeah. to where you want to connect to. Interesting. I do you think like part of what's going, I know we've talked about like a, a new consciousness and like an awakening, right? That's going on right now. Um, do you think that the psychic world is also kind of expanding or they're kind of like, they're like, we knew it. We knew you guys would learn this eventually. Like, I, I'm like, are they expanding too? Or are they like, yeah, Absolutely. what's Listen. up? when we expand they expand it's all connected right like there's there as above so below um but i i also think there are a lot of souls that are there's a lot that's happening in the spirit realm that are uh we may not realize that are still here and interacting with us right like who do you think your guides are but but those that are souls that are on the other side that are actually for a reason still interacting with the physical realm so this is actually affecting them as well there's a whole wow. I, I have somebody coming up on later on in the month uh i think july 27th and I'm, I'm i'm hoping uh she can illuminate this more but we're going to talk a little bit about like past lives in connection to COVID and what's going on and sort of you know how what are those chain of events how does that tie together you know and mm -hmm. and now that we're in this event what souls are on the other side that maybe haven't incarnated at this time that, are, uh, that that this whole time maybe has been like a flag calling them because they're like oh i was around during that plague this is familiar you know <laughs> i've got shit to work out let me let me come in you know so it's a really interesting time in that that realm the other side of that is there's a lot of light up there there are a lot of light workers that are there and here and supporting us and saying yes we get it it's a bitch it's really really hard but but trust us you're going in the right direction. Just, you know, just go. 
Uh, and then the other thing I'll say, you asked me to do about it psychically expanding. It's an interesting time. Things are, are moving so fast and there's so much transition. There's so much input and energy on this at the same time. I mean, I think the, 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 the psychic pathways are cluttered. Yes, there's so much energy there, but there's also a lack of clarity. Like there's only so far, all these readers are like, yeah, I, I can't see that far down the road. Like predicting, uh, I remember years ago, 20 years ago, you know, to, to make a prediction for a year or two from now is nothing. You know, uh, now it feels like if you can sort of hit something in a month or so, you're good, right? Like, oh, I get, uh, I get where that's going, you know? Um, and that's that's been over years that's been happening. And I think a part of that has been, uh, humans tapping into their free will. I think a part of it's been technology and waking up and realizing like, oh, I have so many more choices that I can do. And so I think we've, we've been hitting a lot more variables, you know? In doing so, we've gotten less grounded, right? And less rooted in some ways. And, and that's where waking up and becoming more conscious uh, is going to help us get more grounded. But all circles back to why, if we step into a ceremony, take it seriously, you know, ground yeah. yourself set the space and realize like that that's actually about that is a part of our evolution and what what we need to do is take responsibility mm -hmm. and realize we are energetic beings and we are responsible mm -hmm. for that frequency uh you know both in what we put out in our everyday as we walk through the world but also when we step into a space where we're directing energy mm -hmm. you know it's um, so i'm so glad you said that because that's something i have learned from you and i um and it's really it's changed my life you teaching me that oh. has changed my life it really has, because I think it's something that um, it's very, it's a simple idea, right? That you treat these ceremonies and your sacred connection to, to anything that you believe in that's, that's greater than this physical realm, you treat it with respect. And when you do treat it with respect, you not only are like, uh, are a part of it and can tap in, but I feel like other people respect you more as well because you're able to just be real. It's almost like anyone that can talk about their own spirituality, I have a respect for them because um, it's something greater than themselves. They, ha they have to kind of let go of their ego in order to talk about something that people have been able to, you know, as a comedian, it's easy to be like that stupid or like make fun of it, especially in like this, this realm as a comedian and a producer, there's many programs out there that, um, you know, don't treat it seriously and they kind of throw it under the bus um, or kind of like co-opt the spirit world for, um, you know, for views. And they, it's so fake that it like pisses yeah. me off. It really I, pisses me off. I mean, there's a channel out there. We won't even name it. That's like, oh my God, it's so bad. <laughs> it's it, so bad. Yeah, totally co-opting, you know, absolutely. And, it's, it's weird, but I will say at the same time, there are other programs. Like I think a lot of good scripted programs, like Sabrina the Teenage Witch, the new one on Netflix is honestly vibes. Like <laughs> I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> I have to check it really, out. It's really good. I mean, it's definitely, it's scripted. So they have more liberty to just like, you know, do things in a certain way, but they treat it with respect. And there is, they are honoring things. And it's, it's, it's cool to see. It really is cool to see. Well, and I think in general, where, you know, for to have this come up in a conversation is so much more normal and acceptable, you know, even if, if it's not somebody's thing, you know, you're not quite cast as like evil and dark. I mean, I remember, you know, I got ordained as a minister 30 some odd years ago, uh, because when I was starting out, I was really concerned because they tried to put me, as a teenager, they tried to put me in a mental hospital. My school wanted me to go because they thought I had mental issues. 
And, uh, and the first time I ever experienced that was in elementary school. And then it was, again, I experienced it in uh, high school. It was either last year or middle school or, the, or high school. Um, so when I sort of was, you know, turning 18 and going out there in the world and sort of claiming uh, my connections, I was like, I'm going to get ordained. I'm going to protect myself and make this my religion. You know, where now, like, to talk about it, it's, it's not that, like, back then you said you did this and people, you know, uh, I don't know what to think about that. Or, or I love this, which is, you know, oh, that's cool. You know, I never really thought it was evil. I was like, oh, okay. You're like, oh, okay. Like, <laughs> glad. I'm glad that you didn't think it was I guess. Um, you. Yeah. Like, what? Yeah. So, yeah. you know, it has, it's changed a lot and it, it's grown up over the years. Um, and I think part of the evolution that's happening right now and the kind of awakening is, I think it goes hand in hand with people opening up about their spirituality as well. I think in order to, in order to be a person right now, during a time when Black Lives Matter is getting much needed exposure, to be able to say to yourself, um, maybe I didn't learn the right things. Maybe I was taught something that was, you know, uh, America's like marketed version of America, you know, and maybe I as a white person with my privilege have to go back and educate myself to say, maybe there there's things I don't know. And I think similarly, I, I see parallels personally in the spiritual realm with maybe these things that were, I was told were stupid, you know, and maybe these other things, like I should actually open myself up and know that I don't know everything. We, we live in a, a culture and a society that uh, is a, is a, it really is a construct, right? We yes. learn from a young age, many things that were systems put in place to keep certain people where they are and to keep certain systems in place. And when you can really break out of that, like a la the matrix, like not to make it that dramatic, but like when you can break out of oh, that. Make it that say, dramatic. I mean, when you really break out of that, there's so many things that we should open ourselves up to um, and be aware of and be curious about. I think I have a huge problem when people graduate college or, or grad school uh, I think growing up, I always, from the time I was a young kid, I was like, why, why are all these adults like I'm done learning? Like so many adults I knew were like, I know everything I'm done. I, I went to school. This is what I do. I'm like, we should never be done learning. Anyone that says they know everything, they're the dumbest person I know because we should keep being curious about literally everything. Even if we learn everything, scientists disprove things that were proven, you know, 50 years earlier that they learned in school was like the way to do it. So I think being curious is part of the spiritual revolution. And I think it's going to help us culturally as well. 100. And I have to tell you, when I was a kid, uh, adults, you know, the, the, the adults that, that were around when I was in school, in many ways, the program that they had, their peers looked at them as if they were questioning too much, if they were too curious still as adults, then they must have done something wrong. Then they somehow missed the boat. They didn't quite properly mature. And that, that really, and I think there was a lot of peer pressure almost to, to appear to know the answers and to be the authoritarian. And, and that, a lot of that has gotten stripped down through the years, but I definitely know that. And, and that's one of the reasons why I felt so connected to my mom. She was really a way setter at that mm -hmm. time, as far as like, you know, she always said she learned so much and stayed young because of her kids, but it was because she stayed so open that way. But, that was much more unusual than it is today. Um, and I do think it is a part of our, all of this is, a, of course, it's not even I think, it's all a part of our spiritual revolution and evolution that's happening right now. 
um, you know. Because spirit ultimately teaches us that we just all are inherently connected, right? And there's so many things that try and keep us to feel well, like we are different. Yes, but I mean, I'll actually say, flip that the other way. We are literally spirit in the physical. We are, we're not, it's not spirit isn't something that's, that's coming in and housing the space in here. We are made of spirit. This is spirit yes. energy in the physical form. You know, good, bad, ugly, whatever you think of it, this is it. And, and this is this is soul energy manifest, uh, and and there's different levels of that frequency, right? There's higher manifestations of our of our spirit, but we, this is also our spirit. We need to remember that. And so it's not connected in heaven and this space up there, and then there's here. It's one space. And the part is when we start to understand that, and we start to recognize that not as an idea, but as true we all will find our senses opening up even more. We'll all start recognizing your aura or your energy and the vibe and what works for us and what doesn't. You know, all of those constructs that we've created in the mind will begin to fall away. And it's really the mind that's gotten in the way so much. I was, I was thinking about somebody here wrote, as you were talking, that social media has changed everything when you were talking about uh, Black Lives Matters and all that. And I thought, yes, in many ways, I mean, listen, we're so much more connected because of it, right? And And, and, and I do think there's a, there's a way where because of social media, it's heightened our awareness of each other. And I think that's actually helped to activate us consciously, yes. you know, we're able um, to connect uh, with people that we otherwise would not have been able to. And it's very um, powerful. Well, and we also vibe on them. We see a picture of somebody across the country that we may not even know that well, and we get a sense of them. We're, we're learning to use our intuition more. It's teaching us to be, to rely more on intuition. Even having to talk to you like this, you know, there's so many subtleties of communication and nuances that we don't get not being in person, you know? Um, and so you have to rely on something else when, you, when it's 2D. Uh, so I think that, but, but here's the other part I have to say about that social media thing, mm -hmm. which is, you know, so many of us are living in these, these constructs of who we're supposed to be in that social media. Mm -hmm. and, and I think, you know, you said earlier, what did I say to you? That was, it was so good. <laughs> um, you said that I said that uh, uh, we're responsible for the sacred uh, and, yes. and some of it is, yeah. is a sacred. You know, uh, when we start to realize we're responsible for the thoughts that we choose to feed, you know, uh, and, and, and to become more self-aware. And, and I think so often we're busy trying to create that image of what we're supposed to be. You know, we're not listening to what's happening in our mind and, and deciding whether it's, it's where we want to be or not, you know? Uh, and that's a, another really important one. We're not necessarily responsible for every thought we have, by the way. Mm -hmm. The brain makes noise. It, it's always thinking. And so there's- I mean, I've, I've, I, I had a moment where a couple of years ago where I was nervous. I I think of worst case scenarios. Like mm -hmm. when I'm walking down the street, I think like that car could crash into that car, which could hit that person, which could like, I, I, I am constantly like in my mind, like what, what could happen everywhere? And it's not bad because some of the thoughts seem negative and dark. And I'm like, it's not dark and it's okay to think these things. You're just kind of like looking at the situation and be like, what, what variables exist here? You know what, I mean? <laughs> what realities could be? And it was really just trying to make myself feel sane. Our thoughts, yeah, someone said, our thoughts yeah. are so powerful and magnetic. And I think like truly, Asa, something I learned when I did sales at David Barton Gym years ago, which is a whole nother thing to talk about some other day when you have four hours. But <laughs> in sales, they teach you to not to, to listen to people 
and to find something you genuinely think is great about them and compliment them. And I swear to you, I like, I, I'm an optimist and I like, I love people and I, I, I love love. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm one of those. I would be a hippie in the sixties for sure. But I started like complimenting people when they walked in being like, find something like, even if it's, even if it's someone's like purse or jacket. Right. And I was like, I love your jacket. Where did you get it? And you start doing these things. And if it's real, it's very powerful. Like your words and your thoughts used together are like magic. Like the magic we have is the way we speak to one another. Like not only what we say, but how we say it, that's fucking magical. And people don't realize that. And it's also it can be used as a weapon too. But it's or, like, they, or they do realize it and they don't wield it as such. They don't respect yeah. it. It actually does yeah. go back to respecting it, the power. We think that because it's coming out of our mouth and it's our thoughts and our this, that we, don't, we shouldn't have to pay attention to it. It can just go freely instead of realizing, no, 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 this is a magical tool. This is sacred. Again, it's going back to sacred. Um, but what I do have to say to, to both you and the person who posted about our thoughts being so powerful and magnetic, I don't think our thoughts are so powerful and magnetic on their own. I actually will say that thoughts, I think it's so important that we remember that because we have thoughts that we'll just think that go nowhere. They poof. It's our thoughts when they connect to our feelings. It's our thoughts when they connect to our, our vision. It's our thoughts when they connect to our words and when we connect them to another person. It's our thoughts and action. I think it's so important. And, and you know, some people on here probably have been to a workshop and heard me talk about this before, but, but we need to realize like, you know, we have, we have, we have uh, two different kinds of organs. We have, uh, mm -hmm. we have yawn organs and yin organs. And our yawn organs uh, take a break. They need to rest. So typical, right? If you think of the yawn as the more, um, the masculine energy, of course, the masculine has to take a rest. You got to so, <laughs> so, take a nap. <laughs> uh, but, but like the stomach, for example, it's meant mm -hmm. to rest. You know, if, if you're eating constantly throughout the day, it's actually not healthy for your stomach. It's meant to have moments of rest. Then you have yin organs. have some work to do. <laughs> yeah. Then you have yin organs, and yin uh -huh. organs never rest. They're always working. So for example, your heart would be a yin uh -huh. organ. It, it starts beating at the beginning, and it doesn't stop till it's done. Um, so what do you think your brain is? Yawn. No, it's a yin uh, organ. Oh, that's right, because dreams. It's always thinking, your brain never stops. It's on when you start and it doesn't stop until you're done. And so what we need to realize, and actually, by the way, there's, uh, there's uh, studies that have shown that the brain goes on, not minutes, like hours. I, I can't remember if it goes into days wow. or just hours after you die, your brain, there's still brain activity that can be measurable. But anyway, but the brain definitely always keeps working. So what we have to realize is like, you could be on the subway commuting somewhere, not thinking about anything, and then all of a sudden find yourself at like your mother's funeral in your mind and like ready to cry and having this horrible thing. And then if you, you know, if you're a little too connected to the mystic world, you might sit there and stop and go, oh shit, am I manifesting this or is my mother gonna die tomorrow or whatever? And it, and it might just be your brain making white noise because your brain is oriented towards survival. And so the orientation towards survival, the brain will often, when you're okay, it will look for, oh, what should we be worried about? And it will find in you something that you would worry about and it may tell you that story. And that is not very powerful and it's not something you're actually responsible for. Except if you then take that and turn that story into something that becomes your words, that becomes your thoughts, that becomes your actions, then you become responsible for it. So, so it's when we marry the thoughts with the next step. And that's why we need to, to learn to really understand a little bit more that there's the thoughts that matter and then there are the thoughts that are 
the beating of the heart, so to speak. Oh, it's really interesting, Asa. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I read this I and I was like, whoa, you know, uh, it's, it's. I know. think especially that's probably helpful for people too that struggle with anxiety. Because yeah. I think part of if the brain is, you know, working for survival and it's, the, you know, when I'm walking down Sixth Avenue and I'm like, this car could crash, which could do this. And then I could be, I could be hit by a car. It's survival. It's like everything else is kind of fine. So I'm thinking in the moment, like, how could I die right now? Like, and I know it sounds crazy, but that is, I'm sure no. people go to this place, but it's a survival mode and it's actually healthy, I guess. What I'm hearing is like, it's healthy to, to be thinking that because you're, you're helping yourself out. And if it's, it's either healthy or it's, it's the orientation of where the brain started, right? Initially, the brain yeah. was there just to, to get us through survival. We've done a lot more with it uh, and amazing things with the brain, but that's where it started. Like all the organs, right? It was about survival. So whether it's good or not, I think it's good in moments that it kicks in. There's other moments that's annoying, but it's let it, let it be annoying and a little petulant and learn to tune out of it and, and move past it. But I bring it up because if you think about it, think about the, the how much anxiety has spiked over the last 20, oh. 30 years. And, and I think a part of it is obviously we're moving faster, we have technology, we're becoming more in tune, all of that stuff. But I also think, because we see it so much, it's so pervasive in young people, in kids. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, kids are coming in and they're coming in with parents that are more aware that we co-create our reality. There's all kinds of books mm -hmm. on it. You know, there's corporations and corporate leaders that think this way. It's no longer, you know, an idea for just those new agers over there. It's more of a, a frame of thought. And the thing is, is that what we're not teaching is that, that, it, that, that there's also this other part of the brain. And I think we need to teach that as well and realize, you know, the fact that you create your reality and your thoughts matter doesn't mean that you have to be afraid of your thoughts or your thinking. You're allowed to actually look at a certain thought and be like, oh, wow, that's ugly. No, thanks and move on, you know, and actually have a sense of humor about it, which, which helps. And it will begin to help us with anxiety. You know? I think it's what I'm thinking about when, while you're talking about this is something that's so topical right now is uh, like cancel culture, right? And cancel culture exists because a lot of, you know, comedians and YouTubers um, have created things from the part of their brain where they had a, an idea, right? And they were like, it's crazy and maybe dark and maybe not nice, but like, fuck it, let's do it, right? Let's get a lot of views. And I think what you're saying or what I'm gathering is like, we can have these thoughts and these ideas, but when you act on them, it's like, that's what makes it cancelable. You know what I mean? Like, like, like. Well, that's when you cast the spell. Uh -huh. Somebody asked earlier, what's casting the spell? That's when you cast the spell. When you take your imagination you take the thought, you put it to your imagination, you add in the sensory experience, you know, put in the drama and the emotions and the feelings, you are casting the spell. Mm. What is the spell that you're casting upon the world? What spell ah. do you cast every day? How do you wake up and walk through the world? How much do you love to tell the drama, you know, of the moment of your day? You know, you have this uh -huh. one moment that you have and how many people spend their whole day getting attention off of one negative moment in the day? Is that the spell that you're casting? And is that the spell you want to cast? And if not, don't you know Ooh, i love i don't know <laughs> if, if you're watching and you're like yes but my whole spirit was like uh-huh uh -huh. <laughs> what spell are you casting <laughs> and by the way it's also okay to have fun and have a sense of humor and maybe there's a story you're telling that has its dark element but it's it's again it, where you said earlier the tone and you talked about the tone with it mm -hmm. you know it's not to say that everything that we talk about that's negative or dark or or you know 
has a, an edge to it like that, that that's like we're doing something wrong. It's not to shame people in that way, but it is to say like, what's the energy behind it? You know, because uh, 100%. Of the energy really matters. I a hundred percent. And I have like, as a, as a, as a comic, as a human being, I have made things. I have been part of spells that looking back on like, those were not my favorite spells. Um, but it was all a learning process too. And I know, I, I know now after making beyond and being so authentic with it, I know what it feels like to make something and be like, there's not one lie in this. This is totally me. I don't know if people are going to love it, but it's so real that like, I hope it resonates. And it's always those moments when something does resonate and you're like, oh shit, all I had to do this whole time was just be honest and kind of open myself up to something I was maybe vulnerable about. Cool, yeah. good to know, <laughs> you know? You know what? So actually, just to spin this back to you as you talk about that, I'm thinking, so to turn from, from beyond, and especially, mm -hmm. I, think, I think you were going, coming off of uh, season two, or finishing season season two as you went into Dragnificent, mm -hmm. is that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah. So so Dragnificent, we got greenlit like kind of halfway into making season two of Beyond, and so we so, had to kind of balance time between between both, which was very difficult. Okay, so here's my question because so <laughs> season two was obviously so personal and mm -hmm. such a, a an old story of yours that you really decided like I'm gonna I'm gonna own this and put this out mm -hmm. there and go on this journey, which by the way was beautiful. I cried many times for that season. I think I texted you every time. I was like, I'm crying. Yeah, I know. <laughs> was my favorite thing to hear from, from people I love being like, I'm, I'm crying again. And I'm like, same. I, I cried the whole time. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the question is, you know, to go from that to working in a network like TLC and, and working on a show and, and uh, you know, where you no longer have the freedom to be completely with authentic with your voice right now it's a shared voice and uh mm -hmm. and uh and it's now it's also what are the ratings and what's the audience want to see and it becomes a different process so i have a couple of questions for that you know mm -hmm. uh one would be uh by, by two i want to start with is how how was it traumatic or how dramatic to go sort of from beyond to that was it like a slap in the face or was that like oh i knew what i was getting into and number two you know mm -hmm. uh you know, do you feel like you got to an authentic voice with your collaborators and your collective and all that stuff? So with, with Dragnificent. Good, really good question. And I think something that every, you know, uh, creator at like getting to the, these points that I'm so grateful to be at making something for, you know, a platform that has millions of, of viewers like TLC. Um, you have to recognize the audience in which you're making something for, you know, you I made Beyond because I said, this is on a podcast network and anyone with the link can listen to it. And it's only coming from me. And then I guess the network is pushing it out as well. But these are not like, these are not, I mean, it isn't, it's a, it's a big network, right? They have a, they get a lot of listeners, but it's so authentic to me that I knew the audience was like my friends and family, the small audience I had gained during my time, you know, before that at MTV and, and otherwise. And I said, I want people to come to this, who this speaks to. So I didn't already have a built-in audience that I was making something for. Making something for a network like a TLC or any television network, you are making something for people that are already going to that channel, right? They're already going there. And so you wanna make sure that 
even though I, I could make a version of it that was only for me and the Beyond fans that would have looked a little different. But you yeah. want to make it and say, you want to say like, those people watching those other shows, I want them to see the ad for this and be like, cool, let me watch it. And then I want them to watch it and watch the whole thing. And they might not necessarily come in as fans of or educated about drag queens. And that's just something we had to be aware of. Um, and what I liked about it, it's a challenge because you make something for not necessarily you. I am, I love Dragnificent, but I'm not necessarily the viewer. I of course watch it, but I want my aunt who lives in Philadelphia, who is, you know, conservative-ish, I want who's in her uh, late 50s, I want her to watch Dragnificent. And so when you make it, you have to try and make it for the audience that it's being made for. And so it's sometimes difficult, but ultimately, because I was in the field the whole time, I spoke with all of the interviews in the show, every single one was me behind the camera being like, tell me about this. So there's no way I can't be real. Like I'm just, there's, I'm, I smell bullshit from a mile away. And so there's no way I can't be myself. So it's going to scream me. There's moments in the show that scream me and you're like, oh my God, there's Mike. And so it's, it's impossible to take that away. And, and I think a lot of those moments shine through in the show. I felt, I felt spirit a lot in the show. I felt like it was a feeling where like the, the hairs on the back of my neck kind of go up. Um, and those moments are like throughout the season. And then there's some moments that I'm like, we need to explain that a drag queen doesn't always dress in drag and is different from a trans woman. And that's not necessarily something I think I would need to know, but guess what? My aunt would. <laughs> so we got to put it in there. I think also the queens are really, that, that were in that show are just so authentic and, and really heart driven, every one of them. Uh, and that really comes across in it. So that felt really authentic to me. That's amazing. Well, I wanted to make them, I always know that with like talent, I don't know if anyone will find this interesting, but I always feel like as a director and as a producer, when you make talent feel comfortable, like they can fully be themselves, which Tracy and Alex at Forever Dog always were like, you don't have to be nervous. You can, you can be yourself fully. Then I was always able to be myself and be authentic, which people related to. When you make talent feel like they can be themselves, they are always going to shine on camera or on recording. Um, when you try and change talent to, to fit into a mold that they're not, it feels psycho watching it. And I know we've all seen these shows where we're like, we end up not liking a person. We might actually like them. We don't like the producer's orchestrated version of them. Or maybe we do like them and we wouldn't like the real person. Like, so yeah, you have to be real and you have to open up, you have to create a space where people feel comfortable being authentic. Cause when that happens, like people are fucking cool. Everyone, pe most people are cool and interesting, but you have to allow them the space to be that. Well, that's a part of your gift and your talent. That, that's a part of, that's the spell and the magic that you cast, which is looking for that in somebody and then making space for that to come out. Uh, really, that's definitely Thanks, a wonderful moment. We could all learn from you more about that. <laughs> uh, I got that, I got that um, feeling. That's really sweet, thank you. The, uh, so basically from everything you said, the short answer to what I said, though, is you did feel like you managed to capture something really authentic in the show uh, for that audience, and, and you feel good about it. Did did COVID and, and everything that happened uh, either help or hurt 
the show as far as ratings and getting you know getting viewers and all of that or do you think we had to cancel some shoots because of our our some of our interview shoots those really like glossy with the white background where the queens look like stunning um yep. i love those because they they add a level like they're kind of like beyond where i'm able to pop out and like bring a joke when a joke is needed and mm -hmm. um, we weren't able to do as many of those for the last couple episodes because we couldn't shoot because of COVID. Um, so I missed out seeing those. I, I missed those in the show. But other than that, COVID created, unfortunately, created the scenario where a lot of people were home and were feeling anxious and depressed. And I think our show brought some levity to people at a time when they really needed it. And I, I feel like, you know, if that's a perk of, of a really dark time in our history, then I'm okay with that. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. And I really enjoyed those mm -hmm. moments. And it was a great bright light to just go, go dive into that over there now. You should check it out. It's, it's uh, TLC and it's streaming, right? I believe so. It's streaming, yeah, you can find it. You can buy it on YouTube, I think. Um, and then on the TLC Go app, which you can download on like Apple TV or, you know, Roku or whatever. Right. Cool. Yeah, I had to ask you about that one. Uh, do you think there'll be another season? We think so, Great. but we are we are waiting for COVID to figure right. to figure COVID out. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I we really we really think so. And there was we created there's such a dedicated fan base to the show now, and it's so interesting because there are a bunch of like mostly like women like women in their 50s right on facebook they have this group of like unofficial dragnificent fans and they just love it and i've seen comments there was one comment that said like i i didn't know about drag queens and i thought they were kind of gross but after watching the show these ladies are just so kind and empathetic like i would open my home to them any day and you know that's a like the fact that one person wrote that is like worth it to me not to say like there there's there's probably more but this this lady you know thought the drag queens were gross oh no we stopped hearing you you died come back <laughs> can you hear me now he's alive okay, <laughs> yes we can hear you yeah you're a little quieter but we can hear you we got gotcha. you can you hear me now i can can you hear me yeah. Yeah. Anyway, this woman, she like, yeah, she learned. And I think like the fact that the show did that, even if we didn't, if we ended up not making more, I think it, it spread some like good end and helped yeah. educate people and made people feel good when they really needed to. Um, and that feels like a win. Well, you know what? That's why it's so important that we see diversity everywhere, whether we're talking about gays, drag queens, uh, trans, where we were talking about black, Asian, I don't care what it is, we, we need more of it and to peer in and to realize it's human. There are human beings, you know, on the other side of that color skin or those clothes, you know, or that identity, whatever it is. Exactly. And there's human beings and, and human beings share something in common, which is we have a, we have a human heart. Uh, you know, we, we have a soul, we have a spirit and a connection and a consciousness. Uh, and a voice and something to say and to share into the world. And we all want to be heard and we all want to be seen. 
and uh, yeah, and I do, I think this, you know, we just went through the last of the eclipses, the, the third of the three eclipses from June 5th to July 5th, and this one that we just went through, right, I think so much of it is about uh, our right to be, you know, there's, it's our, our right to be, our right to exist, um, uh, our right to be who we are, our right to make mistakes, uh, and to try again, you know, um, it's such an important thing. And, and, and I think it's, you know, there's, uh, there's a lack of understanding. There's an entitlement in some ways, like, of course we have that right, but, but so many of us exist in our own small world and don't realize where it's, it's actually not an of course there, you know, and there are some people who, it's not even about being a small world or not. Everybody, because let's say we're talking about Black Lives Matter and the, the color of their skin, like, you know, they're always exposed in some ways. And there's, there's always somebody that's, that's looking at them and taking away their right to be who they are. Uh, sure. And I think I always, I, I look at, I feel so privileged that I was able to have this kind of weird experience growing up that um, I think really helped define the character of who I am. And that was, I grew up in a, uh, a conservative town in Westchester County, New York. Um, I always felt, I mean, I was closeted, right? I always felt really stifled in this town. Um, I felt like I was too loud and too, I was too vivacious for this small, like white bread town. Um, I ended up auditioning for a performing arts school in the city when I was 14. I got in and I left Westchester and ended up going to school right in, on 48th and 8th. This was so diverse. It looked completely different than my high school in Westchester. Um, and I was, I, it was, I guess, culture shock, but I felt so much more comfortable in this school, not only because they were performers, but it was diversity. And it wasn't just a bunch of like, you know, straight white kids on the football team being like, you can't be like this, you're gay, whatever. It was like, I just looked around and there was so much color and beauty. And I was like, yes, this is my vibe. Like, and I remember in that school, because of where I grew up in Westchester, I was 15 and we were coming up the stairs from lunch and I'm walking up the stairs and we were singing a rap song together. And I said the N word in, in this hallway and Naima Ramos Chapman, she had the grace to pull me aside. She didn't have to do this, but she pulled me aside and she kind of put me up against the wall before like sixth period or whatever. And she was like, she's like, you can't say that. And let me tell you why you can't say that. And I, it was like this moment where everything slowed down, right? It was like one of those pivotal moments in my life where I'm just listening to Naima and I'm like, oh my God, you're right. I was wrong. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I remember just like having my, my spirit kind of opened up and like, I guess maybe not evolved, but listened and then hopefully evolved later. But having that moment I was so grateful for and I wasn't, and you were talking about people being heard, right? People are like feeling connected. If we are all from these small pockets of existence and we don't have the opportunity to be a part of something different or travel or at least read about or be knowledgeable, we're stuck, right? We're stuck in these small schools of thought. And then I ended up going to University of Michigan, which was a total cultural, um, explosion because it was like the midwest and everyone went to football games and i was like what the fuck is this shit you know like and, and then i came back to new york and i feel like i was so lucky and um i'm so grateful for that experience of kind of like 
having different experiences before I was 21. Um, that I bet you got to Michigan and you were like, wait, I'm here for musical theater. What happened? Yeah, I was like, I was like, hello. I was like, where's the tap glasses? I was like, I'm not going to the game. So it's interesting. I feel, um, I feel really lucky that I was able to do that, which is why I continue to stay curious. And I'm like, I never know. I never know every everything, even a fraction of it. So like, let's keep learning. I'm like so curious. And I hope that one thing we can take away from this time is that we should stay curious. We should continue to meet people we don't know. We should, we should get out there and experience something that we're not used to because we'll learn. Well, and I'll tell you, just, just in case I have an audience of listeners and people who are, who are, who are uh, already exposed to diversity and, and people who are out there and, and doing that part, the other thing I heard in everything you said that I thought was really powerful is also let's make the space to hear somebody when they're having an uncomfortable conversation with us. Let's make the space to take in what's being said and not just to go to resistance. You know, even if I'm not saying you did in that moment, but even if in, in us, I know there's moments for me where somebody starts talking to me and my first thought is fuck off or, you know, I don't want, you know, you don't get it. But let's take a moment to just pull that in a little bit and say, you know what, actually, let me just, just hear and realize like my ears aren't gonna burn my brain's not going to melt if I hear this. I can actually allow myself to hear it and realize, like, that's a really powerful thing. And being able to have those conversations around any subject that's uncomfortable and making space for that, uh, and realizing that hearing somebody isn't agreeing with them. You know, it doesn't mean you have to acquiesce to something you don't agree with either. Um, totally. We've stopped, we've stopped hearing each other in our society, right? And, you know, there's so many. There are there are many people I think that are in that space that are open and, and want to be connected and want to grow and look for diversity. There are also a large group that sit in one extreme or the other that are that are making the loudest noises out there are these extremes and it's become so much the identity and it's made a lot of people feel like they're supposed to be in one extreme or the other, you know, um, and we've forgotten the power. And, right now. and the what's the, there's a lot of you can't sit with us, Mean Girls, right? right. Yep. You can't sit with us. And the you can't sit with us doesn't even allow for the conversation to start. So like we first have to get to a place where you can sit with us. Everyone can sit at the same table and, and facilitate a conversation. But we're not even at the place where we can all sit at the same table. Well, and I think with conditions, right? You can sit with us as long as you don't come in here to dominate our right to exist as we are, right? So, so there's conditions to sit at the table. But it's not an either or. I, I do think there's, you know, that's the part is that so often, you know, if one group does open up to the other to sit at the table, you know, it becomes one group comes in sort of pushing in with, with an agenda rather than coming into a conversation or coming into a space where how do we actually make space here? How do we come, how do we talk human, you know, rather than just talk issues? How do we talk human? And what does that actually even mean? You know, how do we actually step into our heart first and then open our mouth? as opposed to stepping into our head. You know, we're also, you know, a lot of what's happening in our society is a product of our education. You know, we are programming kids and we're teaching them to perform. We're teaching them to be the smartest, be the quickest, have the right answer, have the knowledge, but we're not actually teaching them to be intelligent, which is actually here. Here's intelligence. This, this is a library, it's got a lot of knowledge, it can compute and do all kinds of stuff, but intelligence is here. So let's center on our intelligence and then access that other brilliance. But we're not being taught to do that. We're just taught up here. Um, you, you say that because I was having a conversation recently with uh, a good friend of mine, and, um, and Andrew was there too, 
and it was a conversation about like aptitude in schooling and how we measure success, right? What mm -hmm. does success look like? And these are all like systemic issues within, I think, our society in general. But we were, we were arguing over one person in the conversation said success is doing something like well, but fast. And then Andrew was like, we need to change that because everyone, if like, if everyone is on different levels of, of getting to a certain place, right? Like some kids might, it might take them a while to read, but they might actually retain the most information and be the most thoughtful about the information they retained if they took their time to read it. And so I think we think, especially in a capitalist society, we think of speed fast, right? Go fast. America runs on Duncan, like we're doing it. But if we took the, like, the speed element out, what could we achieve? What could people do if they had the space and time to write a book over you know, 20 years? It might be a book that, that helps people grow and changes the philosophy of modern culture. But if they have to do it like that, it's not going to necessarily be what they wanted because we're measuring success in speed. That's like one of our things. That's right. And actually, it's funny, Adam Robinson, I don't know if you listened to that interview, but he's one of the smartest people I know. And uh, he's, he quoted Gandhi and said, you know, there must be more to life than making things go faster. That was a Gandhi quote, but Adam quoted him. And I was like, exactly, you know. But the other side, you know, the other thing that happens uh -huh. if we slow down, you, you do realize. So there's something really powerful that happens when we slow down we feel when we're going so fast we don't feel just like when we're eating our food too fast right we don't even really taste it it just goes in we're just we're feeding the addictive brain and we're doing the same thing when we're going so fast we're feeding the addict in us we're feeding the the immature part of our brain we're not actually feeding the important part of our being our soul our emotions our feeling self so when we slow down we actually feel and it becomes much harder to ignore uh, marginalized communities. It becomes much harder to ignore the animals that are going to be extinct. It becomes much harder to ignore the lack of sustainability of the culture when we slow down and we actually have to feel that and realize I'm actually playing a role in that. Me, myself, and I, and my small little world is actually playing a role in that because the world is connected and I'm connected to it. So we feel, and, and I think it's all a part of this program of going faster has been a way that we, we have been taught and we believe we're better because of it. We can be better, we can achieve more, we can have more, and it's a lie. It's actually the worst drug we've ever been fed. And, and, and it's actually the one that misses the whole mark because there's no joy, there's no happiness in it, there's tons of debt. And, and because, and we have all this stuff and we don't own the stuff that we have because mm -hmm. the stuff we have is the stuff we're getting going fast that we think we need. It's not the stuff we actually care about that we want. So slow the fuck down. And yes, you're right, Mike Kelton. And thank you so much for bringing that in because it's really important. Slow down and feel and watch your life transform. And by the way, just slow down. You will feel. You will feel. It's and, and oh, one more really important. And it might be super uncomfortable. You might, what comes up and what you feel first might be uncomfortable. And, you know, I'll tell you, even with, with COVID going on, and I'm somebody who's consciously, I've thought this way for a long time, 
I try to connect in with my feelings and I spend time being aware, but there's been moments of, of slowing down and having moments of having really uncomfortable feelings. And I know there's some part of my being that wants to go faster in the ways that I do, right? And, and having to actually stop and say, oh wait, yeah, I, I catch that and realize, you know, you have many characters in there that are all manifestations of you. And sometimes you need to bring in the more mature character to actually let the other one know, like, I know it's, I know this feels really unsafe and uncomfortable, but just, just cry it out or just sit, just sit with it, go through it and we'll be okay. I have gotten really good at crying. (laughs) (laughs) I have gotten really good at sitting with my feelings and um, it's something I've worked a lot on in the past couple of years and you've been extremely helpful with that. And I've, I've been able to slow down. I really feel like I've been able to slow down and it's something that I'm still working on. Um, But I was going to say, I think it's, it feels like a national pandemic, the idea that when you ask somebody how they're doing, mm-hmm. you think to yourself how often someone replies with what they're doing and what they have been doing, not how they're doing. You say, hey, how are you? Someone goes, oh, good. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this today. I've been working a lot on this. And I, I do it all the time. But I didn't ask you what you're doing. I asked you how you're doing. And that is two different questions, but we mask the how with the what, because we think that what we're doing is going to make the how somehow not exist. Because if we're busy, we don't, we don't have the time to be depressed. If we're constantly going, 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 we don't have the time and space to talk about what we still have not gotten over from the past traumas in our lives. But when you do slow down and you answer the question, how am I doing? You, you probably say right now, unless you're a sociopath, you say, I'm, I'm feeling a little depressed, <laughs> which is like, yeah, of course you are. <laughs> Duh. Right? Uh, yes. Well, or what I was thinking when you were talking, everything I said, I agree. And I'm like, Oh, but I'm also another personality type. I'm a, I'm a healer personality type. I'm a, I'm a doer for others in my, a performer. I perform for people in the way that I do, in a different way than, than the performer who's gonna get the A on the test or the type A. I perform by people, for people by making them feel good. And so I know a lot of times when people ask me how I'm doing, I answer with the energy that I have for them. Mm. It was something I just became aware of this morning. I was like, oh, all these years, I've never noticed this until literally today. Wow. And, uh, and somebody asked me how I was doing. And I was and, and I really, I actually had a rough morning. And I woke up and I couldn't sleep last night. I was up at three in the morning and, and I never can't sleep. It's a, it's a super rarity for me. And it, I was disrupted in a variety of ways. And, uh, and, and I was off. And, uh, but I had really good energy. I was ready to, to see that person. And I wanted to bring my best to them. And so I answered with that. And then I actually stopped myself when I realized I was like, oh, wait, that actually wasn't honest. And I, if I'm going to help them, I have to be honest. So I put back and I said, oh, wait, actually, that's not true. That's how I feel for you right now. But here's actually what's happening with me. And I just took a moment to claim it, you know, without making it about me, but just owning the moment. So that's the other thing I think. And I think there's a lot of people who do this, by the way. I'm sharing this not to say, look at what I did. I'm sharing it because I think there's a lot of people who answer for what they have for, with the energy that they have for others. And don't actually stop and connect in and be like, oh, yeah, you know, 
I'm a little Drake right now. I'm feeling, or I'm feeling this. You know, what are you feeling? Not what are you thinking? And by the way, most people, I don't think, know what it means. When you ask them what they feel, watch what people answer. I don't think most people can separate the difference between well, a, feeling, a feeling and a thought. And I, I think it's a good practice is to really work on separating the difference between a feeling and a thought and recognize whether you're answering with one or the other. So. I also will say, it's, thank you for sharing that. And it, you know, you saying that, that you couldn't sleep and you were struggling is makes people feel good. Your intention might, you might think like, I don't want to bring them down or make them feel like they have to take care of me. But as someone who is a healer, you are a healer for you to say that you also feel the things that other people feel, I think is healing. <laughs> I agree. Actually, I think it's, I think honesty and truth and somebody recognizing like nobody's above anything, you know, uh, it's not like, you know, being a, a in tune in general means that you know everything that's coming and your life is, is roses. You know, you get blindsided like everybody else, you know? Like, so, I'm trying um, to hear, you know what would make me feel better right now in the current state of the world? I would feel really a little bit better if Donald Trump acknowledged that things weren't great for once. Like, I would, I would, it would make me feel like I could, you know, he was a little more human if he was like, I'm, I'm feeling sad. I don't feel like the empathy that you want in a politician to acknowledge the sadness and the pain of a time like we're current, currently going through and what we need to kind of push through it. I am looking for someone to acknowledge that, that I exist. And I think a lot of people are. And I don't think, I haven't seen Trump be capable of acknowledging empathy. <laughs> like, is that crazy to say? No, I mean, it's actually whatever your political feelings are. I mean, to me, the one thing that's been really just glaring is the lack of empathy, the lack of ability to self-reflect and connect on an emotional level, you know, and to not need to know the answer and be right all the time. There's no human being who has all the answers and who's always right. And a really, a really good leader needs to be in the question sometimes and, and to, to let us know. And, and honestly, I think there's lack of it across the board in politicians on both sides, really, of, of truth around that. And that like, look, we're, you know, every now and then you hear it. You know, we're in a we're in a world full of gray and, and it's, you know, it's a difficult world and there isn't a clear answer. But here's where I think we can go. You know, every now and then you hear that kind of language and that's, it's refreshing, you know. Uh, but yeah, we don't hear that often. So, no, I don't think it's strange to say at all. Um, and honestly, it's, I think it's, it's one of the bells we need to ring from both sides. Whatever side of the aisle you sit on, we, we should want more emotional honesty and more truth, you know. And to realize that doesn't mean that we necessarily you know, our president doesn't come out and boo-hoo and, and, you know, make puddles all over the ground with tears, you know, but it is about being able to, to move out of their head and what I said before, sink into their heart a little bit and actually let us connect with you. Let us recognize and realize, like, we know you're human. So let us not have to pretend that we're not and, and realize that. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> it's just like we know our parents are fallible now. Like that whole thing that, that back in the day when we thought like our parents existed in a different realm and there was something different about them and us, they bled differently than we did as kids. Like those days are long gone. So flawed and that's actually beautiful. And I can't believe you did the job that you even did. You know what I mean? Like knowing 
that's an, it's an amazing experience growing up and realizing that your parents are human beings. And you're like, I'm like, oh, my parents at my age had like two kids and were like struggling with credit card debt and all this stuff. And I'm like, shit, like, good, good job, guys. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you one of those? <laughs> I mean, maybe not. Maybe I'm not like... <laughs> Yes. Like, kudos, kudos, kudos. You, I mean, it, knowing what people struggle through is like, is the reason I tell stories. I'm like, well, yeah, that's the and point. realizing, and you're going to struggle too. And it's okay. It may not be my struggle, but you're going to have struggles. It, that's the part is that this is a human journey. You know, there isn't a right way to do it. There's your way to do it. And you have to figure out what that is. And in doing so, you're going to make mistakes, which is why I said earlier, it's so important that we have a right to make mistakes and to, to recover from those mistakes. So. Um, I just want to bring in, because somebody put it in here, and I just wanted to acknowledge it, uh, uh, is uh, about, um, there's a student group called Uncomfortable Learning. Have you heard of them? Uh, there's a guy, Zachary Wood, who made a point of engaging in conversation with people who disagreed with him. Anyway, it was, it was pretty cool, and somebody posted a link here, which I'm definitely going to check out, but I'm also... Uh, posting this link this way. There we go. Uh, putting it out to everybody there. And when I post the podcast, I'll make sure that the link is there. If it's, I'll, to, I'll check it out. But it sounds interesting. I, I um, really, uh, check that out. Thank you for yeah. sharing that. That's. I'd be curious, right, to see what that is. All right, Mike. We have to wrap up here soon. It's been really fun. Did you finish any of your cocktail, or am I the only no, one drinking okay. my martini? In the first forty-five minutes, mine was. <laughs> If I did my martini in the first 45 minutes, we might not have had such a successful show. So <laughs> this is a very big glass. <laughs> I don't even know where it came from, but it's very large. <laughs> uh, you do your thing, okay? No judgment. I think you did. I think you did. An, from, from one host to another, I think you did an amazing job, Asa. I felt very comfortable being myself. I feel like it flowed. The questions were lovely. And I, I mean, I could talk to you for hours, Asa. Like, this is, yes. this is a well, new same. for you. Same. And hopefully people enjoy listening to us talking for a very long time. <laughs> but you know what? Some of the things that we realized and we learned and we talked about today is slow down. Like, we're in perspectives on the reemergence, right? So it's like, take your time. And if your creative process is that you're not yet inspired with where you're going, like, marinate and, and find a way to make pleasure out of the marination. You know, find a way, like, think about what it is that I might want to do that would just make me happy right in this moment, or that might inspire me in this moment for me, not for what I'm meant to do, because that's the other piece of that social media is there's so much of this, this idea that, that we must perform and be something, you know, and the truth is, is that you are something, and, and the being something out there is the expression, expression of who and what you already are. So take time to connect with that, right? And how do we make space to connect with that? Because that in itself is a really powerful creative process. And what will come from it? Wow, magic. You That's know? good advice, Asa. Yeah. I know another thing that helps me is I will take breaks from social media and like put, you know, I actually am not on Facebook right now. I like- you know, I noticed. And really helpful. Um, so I think that's helpful in order to connect. I'm like, when you scroll, it's like a constant, like, dun, dun, dun. so that's been helpful for me. And that might be helpful for other people. And if yeah. anyone has a question or whatever, you can just Insta, Insta DM a bitch and we'll connect. <laughs> well, and realize that, you know, uh, 
you don't have to like it or not like it or delete it, the app or not delete the app. Like it's okay to exist. You know, it is about what you said, like really the giving permission for, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to actually take a break. You know, it's, it's again, letting the adult in you, you know, have some say, but also not letting the adult in you have so much say that you don't have room to play and, and, and be in the garden. So, um, Mike, thank you so much for being here. <laughs> I want to know uh, if people want to know, like, so this beyond footage and things coming out, do we have any time frame or is it totally like we'll get surprised when we get surprised with it? I, um, I would say something will come out, uh, something will happen before the end of the year or there'll be like an announcement. There'll be some, some, some news or content will come out before the end of the year. And, uh, People can follow you on Instagram. That's where you'll post and they'll find out, right? Probably actually, the best place. Or I like Instagram the best, and I'm I'm putting um, some stuff together to share some stuff on Insta, Insta Story, and then I end up saving a bunch of the things and putting them in like the save stories. So mm -hmm. I think that's going to be a place where I like kind of update people. So Instagram is kind of the best. All right. So if you're not following Mike already, you know, get on there, Mike Kelton. Uh, and follow him on Instagram and check it out. And I know it's gonna be amazing. Anyway, it was so much fun to do this with you. So, and so much fun to do this with all of you as well. Thank you so much for being here with us tonight. Uh, this was a great experience. Let's slow down and breathe and let's connect. Let's drop into our hearts and let's connect. I love you, Asa, thank you. Love you, Mike. Have a great night. Okay, cheers. <laughs>